Wisdom, the final frontier to true knowledge. Welcome to Wisdom Trek. Our mission is to create a legacy of wisdom, to seek out discernment and insights, to boldly grow where few have chosen to grow before. Hello, my friend. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, your captain on our journey to increase wisdom and create a living legacy. Thank you for joining us today as we explore wisdom on our second millennium of podcast. This is day 1001 of our trek, and it is Wisdom Wednesday. Creating a biblical worldview is important in order to have a proper perspective on today's current events. To establish a biblical worldview, it is required that we also have a proper understanding of God's Word. Especially in our Western cultures, we do not fully understand the scriptures from the mindset and the culture of the authors. In order to help us all to have a better understanding of some of the more obscure passages in God's Word, we are investing Wisdom Wednesdays reviewing a series of essays from one of today's most prominent Hebrew scholars, Dr. Michael S. Heiser. He has compiled these essays into a book titled, I Dare You Not to Bore Me with the Bible. One of the most well-known Bible stories in the New Testament is about Jesus walking on the water in the midst of a terrible storm. But most of us miss the underlying significance of the story. Today's essay, we will explore what walking on the water really means. Tales of tempest battering ships have inspired respect for the sea over the eons of time. On their way to Capernaum while on the lake, Jesus' disciples watched these stories become a reality as the roaring wind transformed the waters around them. As they fought against the waves and the wind, they witnessed a miracle as recorded in John chapter 6 verses 19 and 20. They had rowed about three to four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified, but he called out to them, Don't be afraid, I am here. Appearing in three of the four Gospels, this event has inspired Sunday school lessons and has become ingrained in our portrait of Jesus' life. As spectacular and unforgettable as the events are to us, however, the Jewish audience would have seen it in a profound theological meaning against the backdrop of the Old Testament. What are some of the Old Testament symbols of this? In the Old Testament worldview, the unpredictable sea is a common symbol of cosmic disorder, which are conditions contrary to God's designs for an orderly world. The symbol of cosmic anarchy is also personified as a sea monster known as Leviathan or Rahab. The image of chaos as an untamed monster in a churning erratic sea was common throughout the ancient world. People who are accustomed to land would naturally view the vast, raging ocean as uncontrollable and potentially deadly, filled with terrifying, unknown creatures. Religions across the ancient Mediterranean often depicted the important deities destroying or subduing the sea dragon, thereby calming the sea and restoring order. In the Old Testament, it is Yahweh, the God of Israel, who conquers the forces of chaos and imposes order to the cosmos. And this can be found in Job chapter 26, verses 12 and 13, and Psalms chapter 89, verses 5 through 14. This imagery is applied even on the exodus from Egypt in Psalms chapter 74, verses 12 through 17, where God split the sea to deliver his people, thereby conquering the forces of evil that sought their demise. But we also have to look at the final victory. God's ultimate victory in the end of the age is also depicted as described in Isaiah chapter 27, verse 1. And it says, In that day the Lord will take his terrible swift sword and punish Leviathan, the swiftly moving serpent, the coiling, writhing serpent. He will kill the dragon of the sea. 
It is also referred to in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 1. And this is why the description of the final paradise of the new heaven and the new earth contain a phrase. Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. The sea here is a reference that there will be no more chaos. The prophet Daniel's vision of the end of the day and the kingdom of God includes four beasts that emerge out of a storm-tossed sea in Daniel chapter 7 verses 1 through 8. These beasts, though, are not aquatic creatures by nature. They come from the sea because they represent chaos. God's heavenly court sentences the beast to death in Daniel chapter 7 verses 9 through 12, after which the Son of Man arrives immediately and receives the kingdom of God, and that is found in Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. All of this imagery forms John's account of Jesus walking on the sea during the storm. And we have to realize that Jesus Christ is the Lord over the sea. John identifies Jesus as the Son of Man, to whom the Father has given authority to execute judgment. John chapter 5 verse 27, and you can compare this with Matthew chapter 26 verses 57 through 68. John also asserts repeatedly that Jesus is God incarnate. In John's Gospel, Jesus invokes the divine name, I Am, seven times in references to himself. In some example, it's John chapter 6, verse 35, and, and chapter 15, verse 1. He declares his oneness with the Father in John chapter 10, verse 30, and he proclaims that the Father is in him and he is in the Father in John chapter 10, verses 37 and 38. For John, a Jew familiar with the Old Testament, the image of Jesus walking on the sea was a dramatic portrayal that Jesus is Yahweh, the one who subdues the forces of chaos and imposes his will on the water and everything the water represents. The kingdom of the Son of Man had begun with Jesus' ministry on earth, and all the forces opposing God's ordained order would now be defeated. Like Jesus' disciples, we can find comfort in knowing that the one who treads on the volatile sea can subdue whatever chaos threatens to overwhelm us. And just a quick tidbit as we wrap up today's essay. The three accounts of Jesus walking on the water is found in John chapter 6 verses 16 through 21, Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 through 33, and Mark chapter 6 verses 42 through 52. These three gospels were authored by Jewish writers. Luke, the other gospel writer, doesn't include this detail, likely because he was a Gentile writing to a Gentile friend, Theophilus, found in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. As a Gentile, Luke may not have had the same worldview equating the sea with chaos in the world. And that will conclude our essay for today. Next Wisdom Wednesday, we will continue in the New Testament as we look at Dr. Heiser's next essay titled, Born Again and Again and Again? I believe that you'll find this an interesting topic as we consider our biblical worldview. Tomorrow we will continue with our three-minute humor nugget that will provide you with a bit of cheer, which will help you to lighten up and live a rich and satisfying life. So encourage your friends and family to join us, and then come along with us tomorrow for another day of Wisdom Trek, Creating a Legacy. If you'd like to listen to any of the past 1,000 treks or read the wisdom journals, they are all available at wisdom-trek.com. And I encourage you to subscribe to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts so that each day's trek will be downloaded to you automatically. And thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor, but most importantly, I am your friend as I serve you through the Wisdom Trek podcast and journal. And as we take this trek of life together... Let us always live abundantly, 
Love unconditionally. Listen intentionally. Learn continuously. Lend to others generously. Lead with integrity. And then leave a living legacy each day. I am Guthrie Chamberlain reminding you to keep moving forward. Enjoy your journey. And then create a great day every day. See you tomorrow.